Um, it's good to see you guys. It's good to be together. Good to worship together. And uh, blessing to be together on the Lord's Day. I, uh, I want to talk to you today a little bit about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Not because it's something I, I do well at, um, but rather because it's something that I've had to admit uh, great failures in and start working on. And uh, so today I want to talk to you about the subject of moving from pride to humility. Um, you might be thinking, well, who does he think he is to speak on this subject, right? Um, and I want you to know that I, I'm, not, I'm not speaking on this subject today because uh, I have figured out what it means to be humble. Um, I've, I've spoke, I'm speaking on the subject today because this is a very important matter in Scripture uh, that the Bible has a lot to say about. And it's something that I've come to recognize uh, major failures in in my own life. Um, and so we'll talk today about attacking pride and pursuing humility. That's going to be a lifelong process, but that's what this lesson's going to be about. You remember in Ephesians 4, we talked a lot about becoming a new man in Christ. And that process is putting off things, and then by the renewal of your mind, putting on something different. Today I want to talk about how to put off pride and how to put on a humble heart. And... Uh, you might recall that in Ephesians 4, the first thing that Paul talked about when he said that we need to walk worthy of the calling was he talked about being humble. He talked about pursuing humility. And, uh, and I would suggest to you that whether you realize this or not, it's, it's likely true that pride is one of, the one of the most dangerous things in our lives that we struggle with. Um, attacking our own pride is actually one of the most difficult but most important struggles of the Christian, of the Christian life. It's, it's dangerous, it's deceptive, and too many of us live our lives blissfully unaware of how much pride has a hold on our hearts. Um, I'll tell you, that's the way I lived most of my life up until this point. And so, uh, and so it's, really, it's very important that we understand this. It's really not a question of whether you are proud. You are. The question is, where is, does pride have a hold on your heart? And how much does it have a hold on your heart? So this lesson is really going to be about trying to identify uh, our struggles with pride and see the dangers of it um, and the importance of humility. Um, we may end up doing this lesson in two parts. We'll see how we do time-wise today. Um, but I, what I'd like to talk with you about is, first, the dangers of pride and the importance of humility. Second, I want to talk about uh, the manifestations of pride and humility in our hearts. What does it look like to be proud or arrogant? What does it look like when a person is humble? Uh, and then finally, we'll talk a little bit today about the pursuit of humility. What are some things that we can do practically in our lives on a daily basis, a weekly basis, to try to pursue humility and attack pride in our hearts and get rid of it so that we can become more and more like Christ. Now, this lesson, we just sang a song, and in the song it said something like this. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. We're not going to talk a lot in this lesson today about God, but really everything that we say in this lesson is, uh, is about becoming like God. It's because God, even though He's worthy, of praise and glory and has every right to be arrogant and proud. 
It's because God has chosen the path of humility that we too choose the path of humility. It's because God has showed us in Jesus Christ how to become humble, humble that we choose uh, the path of humility. But we need to see first how important it is to God that we do become humble. Uh, why is pride really so dangerous? The first thing I want you to notice is that God hates pride. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16, there's a list in the Proverbs of things that the Lord hates. You, know you want to know what's at the top of the list? You might think something like uh, sexual immorality, or you might think about some other sin that you know uh, the Bible speaks strongly against. But actually, at the top of the list, six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to Him, and number one on the list, verse 17, haughty eyes. That's another way of saying pride. These things the Lord hates, right at the top of the list of that is pride. God hates pride. And because God hates pride, He humbles the proud. Did you catch that in the reading that Stephen read in 1 Peter? That this is a principle all throughout Scripture that God humble is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so he tells us that all of us are to clothe ourselves like we put on our clothes every morning. We are to clothe ourselves. We are to put on humility toward one another. To humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us at the proper time. Now that's important because if you don't humble yourself, God will humble you. If you don't humble yourself, God will humiliate you. Pride has quite a history. And all throughout the Bible, we read, of, we, we read about God humbling the proud and exalting those who are humble in heart. Somebody had said that God has two plans for us. Plan A is humility. Plan B is humiliation. And we need to be working so hard on plan A that God doesn't have to resort to plan B. Can you think of some stories in the Bible where God had to resort to plan B? Do you remember in the book of Genesis, soon after the Bible began, a story of men who wanted to make a name for themselves. So they came together and they built a tall tower. And what did God do? He came, he looked down, he saw what they were doing, and he humiliated them and scattered them over all the earth changed their languages. They couldn't even speak to one another. He crushed their plans to make a name for themselves. Or what about in the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus? Do you remember the, the, the man they called Pharaoh who said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let the people go? And what did God do? He gave him a 10-course lesson, a 10-lesson course on who God is. And by the end of it, Pharaoh and all of Egypt was in ruins. He was humiliated. Um, there's many stories in the Bible uh, about great men who were destroyed by their pride. Remember the story of Goliath? Cyrus loves to sing the song about David and Goliath. Goliath was a man who was of great stature, big, tall, and strong, a great warrior. And do you remember Goliath as David came out uh, to him? defying the armies of the living God. And how did that story end? The giant came tumbling down. Um, how about it, it, the story of Nebuchadnezzar? Do you remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar? This is a book of the Bible we don't read a lot. The book of Daniel. 
um, some amazing stories in, in that book, though. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar says, Is this not Babylon the Great that I have built? And he looks around at all the great things. And he talks about how I built this by my, my mighty power and for my glory and my majesty. And even as the words were on his lips, the book of Daniel tells us, a voice came from heaven saying, your royal authority has been taken away from me. And the Lord humiliated the greatest king in the world and made him like an animal. And he lived like an animal, he ate like an animal, he walked the earth like an animal for a period of time until he came to see who really deserved the glory, the God of heaven and the God of earth. You see God resorting to plan B in the scriptures because his creation has a tendency, has something within it that wants to become proud, wants to make a name for themselves. And I want us as a church, it's so important that as a church, we are working so hard on this to pursue humility that God doesn't have to resort to plan B and humiliate us. James chapter 4 and verse 6, James says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, I'll just tell you here today, uh, all of you I know well, and all of you I've got to spend a good bit of time with you, and I think you all know this, but if you don't know this, I am for you. I'm on your side. I feel like we're all family here. We work together. We're, we're working together to serve the Lord. But I want to tell you something. If, it doesn't really matter if I am for you, if God is against you. Isn't that true? It really doesn't matter how many Christians or how many good people in this world are for you if God is against you. It doesn't matter if Caleb's for you. It doesn't matter if your church family is for you. It doesn't matter if your family's for you. None of that will matter. It's, it's worse with pride. It's worse than just the fact that God doesn't help the proud. Did you catch that in James 4? Actually, God resists the proud. You know what that means? That means God is actually fighting against our pride. And if we are becoming arrogant in heart, if we're becoming more and more proud, God is actually fighting against us. He's fighting against our pride. Now, on the flip side of that, it's important that we see that actually God is not just fighting against the proud. God is actually looking towards, in the Bible, those who are humble. Isaiah 66 is uh, one of my favorite places to see this. In Isaiah 66, listen to what God says through his prophet Isaiah in verses 1 and 2. The Lord says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But catch this. But to this one will I look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Do you see that? To this one will I look. Him who is humble in spirit. Him who is humble and contrite of spirit. And him who trembles at my word. So it's important to see that nothing escapes God's notice. But God gives a special look, a special attention to those who are humble. There's one thing that captures God's attention, and that is a humble heart. God resists the proud, but what did we read in 1 Peter 5? He gives grace to the humble. So just as strongly as God is against the proud, God is strongly for those who are pursuing humility. 
Uh, God wants those who are pursuing humility and is going to do everything to help them towards that end. If you're humble, you don't need the attention of man because you've got God's attention. Uh, 2 Samuel 22, another place that I, I like to read about humility. He says, you will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. God saves those who are humble. You might say, well, I'm too broken. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm not good enough for God. Actually, a broken and contrite spirit, a humble heart, that's what God wants from us. And those are the people that God gets excited about helping. So how would you like to have God's attention, His gaze fixed on you? If that's something that matters to you, then this, is, then this subject of humility is something that is so important. I want you to think, though, for a second. Why is it, though, that God hates pride so much? Why is pride at the top of the list of the things that God hates? And I want you to think about what pride really is at the heart of it. Pride seeks to steal the glory that God alone deserves. I think that's really why at the heart of pride, God hates it so much. God hates pride because when we are proud, we are trying to take from God the glory that He alone deserves. We're trying to steal from God. Somebody described uh, pride as cosmic plagiarism. That is, we're taking gifts that God has given to us and we're saying, I'm the author of that. I've done that. Look at what I've accomplished when really it's the Lord who has given it to us. Isaiah 42 and verse 8, the Lord says, I am the Lord, that is my, my name, there is no other, and my glory I do not share. Don't you think about that? God is not into this game of sharing His glory, His greatness with others. God wants us to know that He alone is God, that He alone is worthy of praise. So God hates pride. Because pride, even though pride has many forms, it only has one end, and that is self-glorification. Pride is, uh, C.S. Lewis said, pride is a telescope turned the wrong way. It, it magnifies self and makes the heavens small. We see ourselves as bigger and better than we really are, and we see God as far too small compared to what He really is. Every other sin in comparison to pride is really just a flea bite. Pride is really the anti-God state of mind. And pride keeps back the heart from God. It lifts up its heart against Him. It contends for supremacy with Him rather than seeking to give God the glory that He already deserves. So pride is dangerous because it's seeking to steal God's glory. But it's also dangerous because pride actually blinds us from seeing ourselves as we really are. When, we are. when we're struggling with pride, it blinds us from being able to see the sin that is going on inside of us. It's dangerous because it's so deceptive. It's much easier to see pride in other people than it is to see in ourselves. Have you noticed that? I'm pretty good at seeing pride in everybody else. I have a much harder time seeing it in my own heart. Um, Lou Priolo said this uh, in his book about the complete husband. I thought this was very helpful. He said, The sin of pride carries with it God's swiftest and most severe judgment. It blinds you to other sins in your life and hinders you from repenting of them. He describes pride as the acquired immune deficiency syndrome of the soul or the AIDS of the soul. 
When a person, he says, when a person dies as a result of requiring AIDS, he doesn't really die of AIDS. Rather, he dies from an AIDS-complicated illness like pneumonia, tuberculosis, or meningitis, something like that. And not unlike a cataract, the AIDS virus somehow blinds the eyes of the victim's bodily defense system. This prevents his autoimmune system from seeing and consequently destroying those deadly viruses and bacteria that ultimately kill him. Now think about this. Like AIDS, pride blinds you, not only to itself, but to every other sin that's tucked away in the recesses of your heart and your life. It causes you to hate correction and reproof. It hides your sin from you. It justifies your sin and it excuses your sin and it keeps you from repenting of your sin. It deceives you into thinking that you are spiritually well when in fact you have a deadly cancer and are in desperate need. Isn't that true? That's what pride does to us. It's so deceptive, it comes in and it blinds us to being able to see ourselves as we really are. So you know what humility, humility is? Humility is seeing yourself as you really are in light of God's glory and holiness and your own sinfulness. That's kind of what we saw last week when we looked at Romans 12 and verse 3 where he talked about seeing yourself as you really are. Not to think too highly of yourself, but to think so as to have sound judgment. That's what humility looks like. So the hard thing about pride is that we can't see it in ourselves, but you know what? If you'll listen, there are those who can see it. Who can see pride in you? Well, if you're married, ask your spouse. I find that Lindsay's pretty good at showing me pride in my heart uh, in a very humble way. Um, ask your best friends. Ask the people who are around you every day. That's a hard thing to do because it might reveal more than you want revealed about yourself. But it is easier to see it in others. Again, remember, it's not a question of does pride exist in me? It does. The question of is, is addressing it. Where do we see pride in our lives and how can we change? And we need to adopt a mindset that is alert to it. We read in this passage in 1 Peter 5 that the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I can tell you this, the devil is not trying to reveal to you your own pride. He would much prefer that you don't, you don't become conscious of it. He'd much prefer that you don't see it. He, we, need to be, we need to adopt a mindset that becomes alert to it and on guard so that we can see it in our life and address it as it comes. Because you know what else is true about pride? This is part of the deception thing. Pride can morph. I don't know if you've experienced this. But sometimes you'll be attacking, you'll see pride in yourself in one area of life and you start to attack it over there and all of a sudden it shows up over here. It's really dangerous like that. In fact, you know, the first thing, you start to attack pride and you start to think you're humble and then what, what's happened? You're proud of, of being humble, right? You know, it's, it's a very dangerous thing, pride. And, and you can get it in control in one area and then it just shows up in another. So for this reason, it's very important for us to think about what does pride really look like? You know, we can see it in other people. Harder for us to see it in ourselves. So what, is, what are the manifestations of pride? And what are the manifestations of humility? I'd like to share a few of these. And before I do, this may be convicting to some of you. Um, hopefully a little bit convicting to all of us. But I just want to say beforehand, um, in case anybody is too offended by this, I want you to know beforehand that actually every single one of these things on the list, I'm pretty sure, at some point in my life has been true of me, and many of them I still struggle with. 
So as I describe pride here, I don't want you to think you're the, I'm, I'm targeting you or I'm trying to you know, get you or whatever. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to help us to see how pride manifests itself in our life. All right, so let me just suggest a few. Um, first, a lack of gratitude is a symptom of pride. But a humble person is giving thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 talks about that. You know, pride, proud people don't give thanks because they think they deserve what they're getting. They think they deserve what is good. So they see no, they see no need to be thankful for the things that they receive. They may even complain, thinking that they deserve better than what they are receiving. A proud person in a difficult situation thinks, I've deserved better than this. Look at all that I've done for God and what is He giving me in return. A humble person realizes, she realizes that everything that she has is a gift from God. And so she gives thanks in every circumstance. Because she knows that she expects nothing. She deserves nothing. So everything she receives is greatly appreciated. You'll often see people who are humble giving thanks to God, also giving thanks to others for the blessings that are being showered upon them in their life. A lack of gratitude is a symptom of pride. Uh, also, a lack of biblical prayer, when you think about this, is a symptom of pride, particularly the disciplines in prayer of adoration and confession. A humble person is devoted to prayer. Proud people think they don't need to ask for forgiveness. After all, uh, what have I done wrong, you know? Either they're blinded by their pride, or they're too proud, even when they see their sin, to humble their se themselves and actually admit it to the people around them or to God himself. When a proud person does pray, their, their prayers tend to be self-centered. God, give me this. God, give me that. Very much focused on themselves. But a humble person is devoted to prayer because he realizes that apart from Christ, he can do nothing. That even the breath in his nostrils when he wakes up in the morning is a gift from God. That really, apart from God, he could accomplish nothing. Humble people want to worship God. And their prayers are, are much more focused on God and who God is rather than being focused on themselves because they see that they're totally dependent upon him. And so they're appreciative of what God is doing for them and how God is blessing them. They're much more attentive to God's greatness. God's glory and God's grace. So they pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says. Another manifestation of pride is, uh, is a lack of real service. A lack of real service. And the reason for this is because when we're proud, we're seeing ourselves as more important than other people. As better than other people. Um, more important than others. We... A humble person, in contrast, sees other people as more important than themselves. Philippians 2, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Uh, considering one another more important than yourself. Uh, proud people aren't really thinking about others. And if they are serving, they're serving only when they can receive recognition or praise for it. Right? They're thinking about, let me serve now that everybody's watching. You know, let me, let me do this when everybody's looking. But in private, you won't find them ministering. Because there's nothing that they receive from it. Uh, not only that, uh, humble people are not thinking about 
what's in it for me when they're serving. They're just thinking about, hey, there's a need here. A brother or sister's in need. There's work to be done. That person over there needs help, and I have an opportunity to help him, and so I'm going to take advantage of it. The humble are devoted to ministering to those in need, and not just those who they're supposed to help, their family or their brothers and sisters in Christ, but every opportunity to minister, to help someone in need is something that they take advantage of. Another manifestation uh, of pride is uh, a proud man tends to be devastated or angered by criticism. I remember the first time somebody uh, who I respected highly said something critical of me, critical of, uh, of my character, how devastating it was to me. Wow, he would say that about me? That can't be true. What is he thinking? Who does he think he is to say that to me? A proud person cannot bear that they have weaknesses. And so criticism is unbearable to them. Uh, they do everything they can to avoid any sort of criticism. Uh, they do everything they can uh, to, to stay away from close community because they have a hard time admitting when they're wrong or asking someone for forgiveness. So they don't want to be close to people if, if, if that's going to reveal things about them that may need to be corrected. In contrast, a humble person appreciates and pursues correction. The humble seek counselors in their life, people who can guide them, people who will uh, discipline them and chasten them and help them to see things in themselves that need to be corrected. They appreciate that. They actually pursue correction. I'll tell you this. If you really want correction in your life, it's not something that will come easily. It's not something that you'll find easily. You'll have to pursue it. There are few friends who are willing to love someone enough to chasten them and correct them. So the humble is seeking. They're quick to, re to admit their sin and seek re reconciliation. A proud person can't, can't admit that they were wrong, can't admit that they were sin, but a humble person is quick to reconcile. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. It's pretty blunt, but it's true, right? A, a humble person is eager for instruction, correction, any sort of guidance that they can receive. A proud person has a really hard time accepting that. Uh, number five, uh, a proud person has an inflated view of his own importance, his gifts, his abilities. He's too focused uh, on, on his own gifts to be able to see his need for other people. A uh, humble person, in contrast, doesn't think too lowly or highly of themselves. They see that their abilities are gifts from God and they use them for others. They also see that they need others. Proud people tend to be unteachable, independent, um, hard, to, hard to fit in a community because they don't want to, they think they know it all. They can't be taught anything. They can't, they can't learn from anyone else that they feel superior to. So they don't really have much use for close relationships. They think the trouble outweighs the benefits. A humble person realizes that there's always lessons to be learned. There's always things that I can learn from other people in every circumstance and situation, so they're quick to listen. Uh, proud people tend to talk too much, especially about themselves. Uh, there's, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be quiet, but proud people have an especially a hard time 
talking about anything other than me. We talk often about what I'm doing and what I'm accomplishing and how great I am and the things that I've accomplished. And we've forgotten what the Proverbs say, that when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The humble listen intently to others because they truly value learning. Learning from them and learning about them, the people around them. Proud proud people tend to be consumed with what other people think about them. They have a really hard time uh, losing the approval of men. And they often think about doing things so that they could be seen of men. Do you remember Jesus saying things like that uh, about the Pharisees? That they're doing all these religious things to be seen of men. Rather than because they really are doing it to please God. Um, they tend, proud people tend to be consumed with what others think about them. Humble people tend to be consumed with others. So they're thinking not about what do these people think about me, but what, how can I help them? How can I bless them? Proud people tend to minimize their own sins and shortcomings while maximizing the sins and shortcomings of other people. It's easier for me to uh, see what's wrong with you than to accept what you're saying is wrong about me. Uh, and finally, another manifestation of, uh, of pride is that, that, that the proud try really hard to draw attention to themselves. You see people that will do anything for likes on Facebook or, or social media, right? Do anything to get, get people to like their status. Humble, humble people are content to live gentle and quiet lives because they're seeking to catch God's attention rather than the approval of men. I don't know about you, but truth be told, that's, those are all things that I have struggled with, some of which I'm still currently battling, probably more than I even see or realize. And I don't mean for this lesson today to simply be convicting, but I do mean for it to be convicting. Because the Bible is trying to help us to see these truths about ourselves. The Bible reveals to us our our pride as we study scriptures. Thankfully, though, it doesn't end there. In the second part of this lesson, we'll talk more about what it means to really pursue humility practically. I'm not going to do that today, but I want to give you one thing today that you can start doing to work on humility. And that is the, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see him, the more humble you will become. The first thing that we need to do if we're going to become humble people is study Jesus, the author of humility, right? The one who lived in perfect, perfect humility. Think about Jesus. Philippians 2 says, uh, Have this attitude which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, didn't regard equality 